Welcome, affiliated listeners, to another special and amazing episode of the Affiliated Podcast. I know I say special and amazing every single time, but it's because I have a low vocabulary, so I guess I'm just going to use the superlatives that I enjoy. Yay! So, um, But today is actually one that's really, really exciting. Really, really happy to be joined by two people. First, we have the immaculate, the astute, the what's another term that I could come up with? The salacious Thomas McMahon. How are you doing, man? I God, I never know if you're going to go to the guest or to me with those intros. But I love making me, your but... face do all sorts of weird um, motions before we get to introductions. Doubt. So, and today we are going. Who we have is um, we're joined by another fantastic human, um, and from our neighbor of the north, we have Mitch Ormond. And you might think. Mitch Orman, that sounds like Orville Redenbacher knockoff popcorn, but no, um, Mitch is actually a, a very smart marketer, advertiser, and doing something. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to tease a little bit in a second, but first, uh, he, we're going to have a great conversation because he has some really, really cool stuff around something you probably don't like doing in your business. So with that, Mitch, how are you doing today? Good, good. How about yourself? Doing good, doing good. So it's, it's bright and sunny here, and I can't wait to start working outside after this podcast. So <laughs> sweating on my laptop. Um, well, so what we're going to be talking about with Mitch today. So Mitch works with Logical and they are a, a contract customer support center with phone, email, text, all the support you need. But more importantly, oftentimes we look at customer support as a cost center. It's something that takes, 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 but we need to have um, what Mitch is going to talk to about today is how your customer support shouldn't be a cost center, but should become a profit center if you're doing it right. Um, which I love, especially since I got my start in like just working in general and doing um, call center support for a long time and management for, for six years. So um, definitely understand that world. And when I hear call center, cost center is what we always think of. When I hear people talking about profit, I get excited. And what Mitch is going to talk to us today is going to be really exciting. So before we jump into all that exciting stuff, can you just give a little bit of a background, Mitch, of how you found yourself into the the robust, exciting world of taking inbound phone calls and not <laughs> yeah. killing yourself? So. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I started out in the industry in 2012 um, as an advertiser. Uh, did that for, you know, five, six years. You know, we did some good some good numbers, um, and you know, during that time, we were we outsourced our, we outsourced our customer service to numerous different call centers. Um, we just weren't finding what we needed out there in the market. You know, we always had um, you know a lot of issues on the front lines with the customer service, whether it was you know if they were causing chargebacks or excess refunds or you know just a lot of stuff was falling through the cracks. We tried you know three or four different of the the largest centers out there. Um, and then, you know, we decided, hey, you know what, we're up here in Canada, let's bring a few agents in house. Um, you know, it's a Canadian dollar, it's probably a penny to one for, for comparing it to the US. But, um, yeah, so we brought, we brought the agents in house and then um, we just, you know, started doing it in house. And then eventually I just kind of, uh, you know, felt it was more of my calling than on the advertiser side. Um, I had a few other friends that were advertisers as well. They were having the same qualms I was. I told them what I've done, um, and then they just basically asked, "Hey, you know, can you start taking my calls?" So that's kind of how it all started. Um, you know, so I was kind of an advertiser, call center guy for for a year or two, and then eventually I just uh, told my partners at the time that, "Hey, you know what? I think uh, I'm just going to roll with this." A few more clients came in, and uh, you know, been full time call center, 100 uh, percent dedicated for the last five years. So that's awesome. Um, you know, five six years. So it's been. Uh, 
you know, a bit of a natural progression for me, I guess. Um, you know, those, my old partners are still advertisers, still going strong. And, you know, um, yeah, that's pretty much how it came to be. That's awesome. Well, I love that you have the advertiser background. So I think oftentimes you might see people that run call centers, but they don't really understand what their clients are doing and what those goals are. And you understand Mm -hmm. that intimately as you were one of them. So one quick question before we jump into the the main question, because it just, it stuck out to me. I thought it really interesting. You said you felt like this was more of your calling. So I'm just curious. I know this is going to sound all like wooey, but what (laughs) about customer service started to feel like home and felt like this is yeah. where I'm meant to be. Cause you've obviously seen quite a bit of success since you, you, you transitioned into that. Yeah. Well, it's funny because, uh, my cousin, he's, uh, has a marketing agency and whatnot. And I would always go to his office and work out of his office. And <clears throat> this one time, well, for a couple, few weeks straight, I found myself on his couch in his office, just planted there with my laptop, taking customer service calls. So basically, you know, we're kind of new to the advertising game at that time. And, you know, we got a few sales here and there. Then all of a sudden it just took off and we didn't actually have any customer support at the time. So <laughs> I was there taking the calls myself on the phone. Um, but, you know, it was a good uh, it was a good practice because there's actually a lot of things that I've learned from doing that myself personally that, uh, you know, we use in our scripts today that work like like, you know, a charm. So, um, you know, it's literally learned it from the bottom up that way. And it just kind of felt like. Uh, you know, the way the way things were were rolling along with it, that, uh, you know what, it's going to be too hard for me to do both. I got to choose one. And uh, this is, you know, I chose to kind of pursue the vendor path rather than the, the advertising path at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it seems like it's working out. So that's awesome. Well, yeah. Um, sure. Well, let's jump into it then. So um, kind of the main question, right? Like, how do you take, um, you know, well, you know, customer support from a cost center to a profit center? I think one of the first questions that going is like, why is customer service so important yet oftentimes de-emphasized? Because you mentioned yourself, you guys started scaling up and you're like, oh crap, we need to do this. And you know, that might've been the last thing on your mind is I guess we have to have some sort of customer support. So kind of walk us through um, what you commonly see uh, with, with the people that you work with. Yeah, totally. And I mean, we've had clients come in where they think everything's fine and they've just been doing things through emails and, and what have you. But you know, the, I think the, you know, the experience has kind of shown me that today phone sports very much underestimated um, when it's done properly, it could actually be a, a good revenue driver and a good, um, you know, retention piece to your business. Um, you know, it, it goes obviously starting with kind of lowering the refunds. I mean, you know, it's, it's really easy for people to walk away from, um, you know, an email and just say, no, I don't want it kind of thing. Get out of here. Um, it's a little different when you're on the phone, when you're uh, person to person with that person, uh, you can, you know, kind of build a little bit more value in the product that they purchased and just kind of, you know, get them to hang around a little bit longer. Um, you know, have them pay attention to the discounts you're offering them and, or what, whatever the strategy may be. Um, so you kind of plug a few holes that way where, you know, uh, customers that would normally just kind of leave and get their full refund and take off, um, you know, we would be able to talk them through it and get them to kind of hang around a bit longer, try the product for a bit longer, you know, and try and keep some of that, um, that money inside the, or with the advertiser rather than just being like a full refund or, or what have you. Um, and then on top of that too, like it builds a lot of, you know, trust with your customers, which again can turn into, um, 
you know, additional sales. Um, we do a lot of, you know, upselling and things like that on a lot of the calls that come in. Um, you know, somebody will call in with a few questions. They're not sure if they want to buy it or not. And um, just having that person-to-person contact builds that trust. Again, we can build the value in whichever product it is and just create that confidence with the, with the buyer that, um, you know, they've landed in a good spot, they're going to be taken care of, and we help to, uh, you know, basically get those orders through for, for clients that way. That makes a lot of sense. What, yeah. When you're looking at new business coming in the door to you, people using your services, what are some of the big issues that you see with their phone support team or maybe just they don't have one, but what are some of the big issues they have with their customer support as a whole? Yeah, I mean, you know, it depends. We've seen kind of the whole lot of it, right? There's clients that come in with, you know, okay customer service and, and they're doing okay. But to Kyle's point in the beginning, they're, they're kind of more of a cost than, than a revenue generator or, you know, they're not really paying for themselves in a way. And then you have, you know, other clients that come in and they've had customer service and everything's a mess. Like, uh, you know, these, the, the customer service is essentially on the front lines of the business, you know, we're the first to hear anything. Um, you know, if there's any major issues or, or anything like that, that may be important to the advertiser, you know, we're the first to hear about it. So I guess to answer your question, what I see is like a lot of uh, call centers out there kind of position themselves as just like your typical vendor, an invoice you pay every week. Where it's very important in this industry, I find if you want to be a good call center, it's very important to position yourself as like a true partner and an asset and, a, you know, bring value to the, to the client. That's really what it's all about, um, you know, and a good call center will pay for itself. I mean, whether it's through saves, um, you know, retention and, you know, additional upsell sales, things like that. Um, you know, we only feel good about you know, the job we're doing is if we're actually bringing good value to our clients and um, we're getting that feedback from them. Um, yeah. So that's, you know, pretty much in a nutshell, that's. Yeah. When, when you run into the clients or the people out on the street that are going like, oh, like my customer service is good enough, you know, like I'm just gonna focus on getting more sales. Like what is the, why, why should they be thinking about actually retaining more of those sales versus just getting more in the door? Yeah, because, well, because first of all, you've already paid for these sales in, in some way or another. I mean, you know, if traffic's not cheap these days, no matter where you go, you know, um, the ESPs are costing more, the, the Facebook's definitely gone up a lot. Affiliates, it's very competitive out there. So I guess the, the, the answer to that would basically be like, it's, it's kind of, you've already bought and paid for that customer. Let's do our best to keep them your customer and to keep that money with you as the advertiser, because you've already actually paid for that sale. Um, you know, it, it, there's nothing worse. I've seen some some other campaigns come in where, you know, it, there's it's been an issue in terms of like their funnel or something. They get a lot of people that are you know, calling in later to refund or they have a shipping issue and, you know, they've spent all this money on traffic. And before you know it, they're underwater. Um, it's super important to, you know, kind of keep keep that trust with the customers and keep that revenue inside the advertiser's pocket opposed to, you know, just refunding it because it's, it's not a cheap game out there these days. I think everybody can attest to that. I mean, yeah, no, I'm, yeah. I'm far from a math numbers person, but when I start looking at the numbers and the math, it gets noticeable how much of impact when you start saving sales and retaining sales and even upselling, right. These as a conversion boost, what happens, right? Cause if you're running at, 
let's say 1.1 ROAS or something, and you're barely profitable on your ad spend. Totally. And if you have a 10% refund rate, you're really break even or maybe negative on that acquisition. Yeah. So you're laying everything on the front end or on the, you know, future upsells or cross sales to be profitable and things like that. Totally. If you can now take that 10% refund to a 5% refund, right? You're maintaining profitability with your ad spend and you can keep, it's a conversion boost at the end of the day. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And at least, you know, you know, um, going, keeping even or above is always the goal, right? I mean, you don't want to go, go negative. Um, and yeah, that's, that's exactly kind of what we see a lot of is when people aren't using customer service or they're just using emails, they're not using the phone support aspect of it. The refunds are typically twice as high as what they would be as if they were using phone support. Um, you know, so do. sorry. So if I'm just responding to email tickets and things like that, yeah. I sh I'm yeah, potentially... if you're getting 10% on that, mm -hmm. if you incorporated phone support into that with good agents and a good call center, you should see that come down to about five, 6%, you know, that's anyway, significant. Yeah. 6%. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. That's no, nothing to shake a stick at kind of, as they say. No, I know. I think our, not our, but our clients average refund rate across supplements, for example, I want to say it's it hovers around that's like 10 percent ish it's like eight to 12 percent depending on the client they're kind of in that ballpark totally. and i don't think i know some of them do phone but i know a lot of them don't mm -hmm. i'm just responding to tickets as they pop up as like a try to plug that hole versus enhance it right yeah yeah totally and so, you know sorry go ahead Kyle. oh i was just no no you continue on your you mentioned yeah just on that note too i mean we've had a client come in uh, a few months ago and he, he thought nothing was, you know, he was really nervous to, to move to phone support. Everything was working perfectly in his business. And he was, he's like, I've heard good things about you guys. Um, I'm going to try it out, but I'm really nervous. I'm not going to lie because we've, you know, they do about, you know, 40, $50 million a year kind of client. Um, and, you know, he's like, we're just going to try it out, see how it goes. And, um, you know, it's really made a difference. You know, I had a, a call with him last week and he's basically saying like, I'm, I'm glad we went down this road because, um, you know, there's that, that retention aspect that we talked, we spoke about and, and, you know, it's obviously a balance too. Um, it's the retention and the chargebacks, right? I mean, nobody wants chargebacks. So you really got to find that sweet spot and you really need to find a call center that knows how to do that or yeah, exactly. And can you, you Oh, good. Oh, and just one more thing on that too, is like, um, it, that's another good plus to having a call center is because it does create that human to human, easy to get a hold of, um, issues are resolved instantly. There's no back and forth in email. It's, it's, it's done. Chances, chargebacks we see do go down as well a little bit. Sure. So I was going to say, um, so kind of two questions. I'll get to the second one afterwards. So you mentioned sweet spot, right? There's a sweet spot between the, you know, upselling, retaining, and then also avoiding the chargebacks. Like, can you walk through, just elaborate on that a little bit more about how do you find that sweet spot? What, you know, as much as you can share about what that sweet spot might be um, and kind of how you guys maybe uniquely, you know, accomplish that or find it. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it, it really starts with a lot of like active listening and stuff on the part of the agent. Um, you know, if you get somebody coming in hot, sometimes it doesn't matter what you say to them. It's, it's not going to end up well. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, we train our agents over here and I'm sure other centers do as well, but just that active listening component. You know, if you hear somebody mention uh, the bank in any way or they're going to call a credit card company or something like that, you're probably better off just letting that one, you know, go. Um, you know, again, depending on the severity. Um, but yeah, it's just, 
being able to read the customer, having good agents that can read the customer and really making sure when that customer leaves the call that they're satisfied with what happened on the call and then they're not going to go and call their bank. Um, you know, and that's another component to a call center as well as you want to make sure that uh, those kind of things are being, you know, looked at by uh, management and, you know, supervisors and stuff, making sure that, um, you know, they're auditing their agents and that the agents are you know, falling within that that range of you know, not not overdoing it, not pushing too hard if it's going to end up in trouble kind of thing. And how frequently do you guys do that? Because I think that, I mean, with intense call volume, it feels like something you'd have to do pretty often. Like how regularly are they kind of like listening in and doing that kind of coaching? Yeah, I, all the time. Yeah, we've got a full like regimented. It's it's a whole <laughs> it's a whole business on its own. That's, that's why it's why, you know, you can't really do that. I couldn't really do the call center and, and be an advertiser at the same time. It was just, uh, you know, I kind of had to pick one one or another at some point. Gotcha. And so a couple of questions that kind of around this, I thought you mentioned before that like um, to have a good call center partner, it's, it's not just a vendor that's taking calls. It should be somebody that's, that's really partnering with you, um, which, which I, I can make like make sense and seems like that's the case. So as a part of developing that partnership, how often, like, how do you go about doing that? How do you make sure that it feels very seamless from, you know, reps that are most likely taking calls for, and maybe they're not, I don't know quite how to set up, but taking calls from lots of different companies, but each time they feel like they're talking to that individual company. Like, so I guess kind of curious how you go about creating more of a partnership versus just being somebody that's answering phone calls. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of it's, uh, um, I guess the best way to say it would be, you know, being more proactive and reactive on things really kind of uh, you're looking for a call center that is going to treat the like your business if you were an advertiser treat it like it was their own so you know on the lookout for for certain things i mean if there's a excess amount of threats coming in if there's a lot of customers that are calling say i don't know what this product is you know that could be indicative of maybe suspicious traffic or fraud traffic or something like that so you know really just a call center that has their ear to the ground has the same like believes in the vision of the advertiser and has the same, you know, set out on the same goals. And, you know, to kind of calibrate all that, um, it's very important to, you know, keep on the same page with things like meetings and, you know, whatever it is, I mean, Skype chats or what have you, but um, definitely, you know, keep calibrated and constant communication on what's happening on the ground level. Um, you know, I, I run into a lot of clients too, where, their call centers aren't that responsive. They sometimes wait two days or a day and a half to, for an answer, or, you know, and it's like, you need a call center that's uh, responsive. We all know we're in a pretty fast moving industry here. Things can happen really quickly. Um, and, uh, you know, just call centers really got to have their finger on the pulse and have their clients interests, um, you know, in yeah. the forefront. Is, is there a level of, revenue or daily sales or yearly sales, whatever it might be that you find that this becomes a, Hey, if you're not doing this, you really need to versus a, I'm not quite big enough to really justify this yet doing, or is it? Yeah. I mean, again, it depends on the sales funnel. A lot of it depends on the funnel the advertiser is using. Um, but in my, my take would say, you know, if you have 10 sales a day or, or more, it's always beneficial to have a call center. Um, you just got to find one that, uh, you know, has 
the right kind of pricing model so you're not paying for a bunch of agents sitting around doing doing nothing all day right um but yeah i mean it, it doesn't hurt because you know even if it saves that one or two chargebacks um you know or, or lowers those um you know one or two refunds by 50 percent or what have you i mean it's it's money well spent and yeah the idea of the call center too is just to make sure you know it's paying for itself um it, you don't want to add extra costs. I, I totally get that, having been on the advertiser side. But there's a lot of um, positives that can come out of the call center, yeah. center as well. So I'm sure this depends a bit on product type and all that. And but is there? Do you find that there's like how many? I guess how many sales agents do you need on like a daily sales ratio? If that makes sense. I don't know if there's a better metric to look at. But is there like yeah. a how do you mean? Like revenue? Are you talking like revenue to individuals kind of thing? I guess yeah. If I if I've got a hundred customers coming in a day, like how many they, they call people, <laughs> phone people? Should I have uh, answering the call, dialogue, um, the call you know, people? Like, yeah, it, it depends. Again, like if you have like uh, if the pricing's up front and everybody knows what they're buying and you know people are generally happy with what they purchased, you might only need a couple. You know. Um, but then you also get camp. It, it depends. I mean, the other thing too is like if subscriptions and things like that. I mean, those are obviously going to generate a bit more calls mm. uh, as well. So it just really depends on the funnel. Um, and you know, and if anybody has any questions about that kind of stuff, I'd be definitely more than happy to, you know, talk to them personally and, and kind of give a run through things and and um, help point them in the right direction. I mean, at, at uh, many levels, we're all in this together, and uh, you know, um, I'm you know more than happy to. To help out with any of that stuff i love the canadian kumbaya anytime yeah yeah well go ahead you can follow up there is like where i guess where can people reach out to you if they are interested in chatting with you and getting getting that tap into your genius there and then yeah where in canada are you is the second part uh, we're just outside of vancouver in victoria british columbia oh, nice. okay. uh, yeah so we're getting some nice weather out here today uh too so it's been um yeah been been happy times lately um not sure when it's going to turn but I'm, I'm sure it's coming but uh yeah um if, if anybody wants to reach out to you i just put together a link for on the website it's just uh, uh l-o-g-i-c-a-l-l dot live so logic call with two l's dot live and then slash clickbank so if anybody wants to go um you know through their CS, if they want us to do, um, you know, a look over, be more than happy to help. Um, yeah, for sure. And, you know, one other thing I should mention too, obviously very important for a call center is to just make sure, you know, they're reaching those KPIs, um, reaching their, reaching the goals that are set out and that there's some reporting behind it and all that kind of stuff. So, um, we'll, yeah, we'll circle back on that. Cause I definitely want to talk more about the KPIs, what KPIs you should be looking at, where in your opinion they should be. But before that, I want to go back to something that we all love, which isn't just Canadians, but we love them because <laughs> not right. Um, unless you're like, ah, oh, polite people, they piss me off. No, but it's sales. <laughs> so I think one thing you know we've talked about there's there's saving sales, there's saving a sale that's already made, and we've talked about the upselling. I think that's one of the areas where oftentimes that's it feels like call centers really fall flat there, mm -hmm. like the ability yeah. to then sell, um, but then also still doing it where you're retaining. So we retain and sell. It feels like. Oftentimes you could do one or the other, but not both. Uh, so really curious, you've been able to accomplish that with your reps. You've mentioned multiple times when it comes to selling, what are some of the, what are some of the key things that, and we don't want to, we don't want you to 
give us your secret recipe fully here, but if you want to give us maybe some tidbits um, on some of the things that, that you guys do to ensure and strategies that you implement to ensure that you could turn from just a, a cost saving place to where you actually start producing new sales and additional sales through the upsells, the cross sales and kind of that process. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, it goes without saying that, you know, you, you could do outbound sales, but in that on its own kind of speech for itself. But when an inbound call comes in and somebody's got some questions about a product, you know, how do you take them from like a three bottle package to a six bottle package in terms of like a supplement or something? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> a lot of it is just really kind of finding out what the interest was of, of the caller. What, what, what makes them tick? What's the reason they were looking at this in the first place and just kind of really driving home on some of those points of, uh, you know, the, the, the buying signs, if you will. But most importantly, like anybody can really do that. The most important thing from a call center point of view is just finding the agents that can do that is one thing. And then the next thing is just keeping that consistency with the agents. So it's happening on, you know, all the calls that come in. It's not just like a hit and miss. Oh, this guy might do it. This guy might not. I'm not going to pitch it to him, but like just keeping that consistency going with the agents and building that average cart value, getting that average cart value up. That's the name of the game. Our guys are really motivated to do that. Um, you know, um, and again, a lot of that comes from the call center, just in terms of how are the agents incentivized? Um, you know, things along that line are, are super, um, I find are super beneficial. Yeah, for sure. no, for sure. Well, and this might be, and again, if you're like, nah, I can't share that. I love a good incentive program. Like when you say properly incentivized, and I think this is actually something where a lot of entrepreneurs really struggle, whether they're hiring biz dev staff or an affiliate manager, or when you get to employees, because oftentimes an entrepreneur, I know what motivates me, right? Whatever it is, like I started this business with some motivation. Now I want to motivate other people with very specific behaviors and call centers could be a real tough one. Cause oftentimes the people that you want to like, what makes a good call center rep is that they don't want to sell. They want to help. They want to react instead of be proactive. So yeah. outside employee selection, how do you structure an incentive program for your reps to get them, you know, along with reinforcement and training, but that, that kind of gets them to um, naturally want to increase that AOV, want to increase the bottom line for the customers to work with? Yeah. I mean, again, just a lot of it comes down to the, <clears throat> like the auditing and the um, QA process, if you will. I mean, um, if you get a rep that you see has kind of been strong in the past and maybe a little bit sluggish now, you would obviously pull them aside, kind of show them some example of maybe some of better calls that have been happening. And um, yeah, I mean, we find that, you know, just kind of, uh, kind of tiering it works a little bit too. So if they kind of get to a certain point, we would, you know, give them X. If they get to a certain point, they'd get, you know, um, you know stage B or C or what have you. And we would just be able to, yeah, kind of sweeten the pot for them a little bit, um, you know, to get them moving again. <laughs> you know, it's just human nature, right? People do kind of slip back once in a while. And, uh, you know, it's, it's important to stay on top of it um, as a call center. Um, and, you know, obviously, like, you know, my <laughs> cash seems to work the best, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I mean, you know, and you uh, spend some money, make some money, right? We actually work with. <laughs> what we find works really well with our agents and we actually give them like a percentage. So we do like a rev share with them in a sense. Right. Nice. So if you, if you sell a, if you up, upgrade a three to a six or what have you, or if you manage 
if there's a different product on the back end for an upsell and you manage to attach that to the order or what have you, we're going we're gonna to give our agents a percentage of that revenue that they added on for that call in most cases. Awesome. Um, again, it all depends on the campaign and the client we're dealing with and what the policies are and stuff like that. But typically that's what we'll do when we find that works pretty good. Um, and then, you know, the old fashioned uh, pizza lunch is, is always a good extra bonus, you know, or <laughs> Thai food or something, right? Um, for sure. And just kind of keep that atmosphere positive, sales orientated. Um, you know, we section off all the sales guys. Um, so they're all in one kind of corner and they always keep each other pumped. It's kind of, it's a cultural thing as well, I would say, um, within a call center. That's a, you know, super important thing, which actually brings me to another point too. Um, typically, you you know, we're more of a boutique, if you will, call center. We're not a 500 agent call center. We usually run between, you know, 130, 160, 70 agents. Um, we're selective with who we deal with, um, you know, and um, the, you know, that, yeah, you don't want to go and just hire some call center with 500 agents because they're not going to be a partner in your business. They're just going to be another vendor. They're not going to be paying for themselves. Um, you know, we keep it kind of tight for a reason. If we get some, you know, top notch guys in that want to join and we're capped out, we'll add more agents for them and stuff. But it's, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's, we just kind of try to keep it a, more tight that way, I guess you could say. That's really smart. So, so yeah. with that, um, with this kind of two part, because one's just really, really fast is, um, do you do outbound phone sales? And so you could answer that really quickly, but then Absolutely. transition to the KPIs. So, when you're looking at, um, essentially, I think one of the big things, hey, customer support's good. I might have it right now. Right now, do I know if it's actually doing what it should for me? What are the metrics that tell me that my customer support's doing what I want? And what are the numbers that tell me that, ooh, I might have some work left to do? So kind of the two-parter. But yeah, first, just if you do phone sales, is yes or no? And then go into yeah. that KPI question. Uh, absolutely. Yes, we do definitely do uh, phone sales. Um, so, for sure. And sorry, you know, in outbound phone sales. Yeah, say. outbound. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we do. Awesome. We do outbounds as well, for sure. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's always opportunity there on the outbounds. Some, some, um, some funnels convert really, really well on the outbounds for us. So, um, we, it's pretty impressive actually sometimes, <laughs> you know, and then you get other funnels that just, um, they're not quite as good. And so it's just the way it is. I mean, it's the, all the marketing, what these customers are coming in from. Right. So, um, yeah, it gives it a little extra push. And then in terms of the KPIs, Kyle, um, you know, obviously we're looking at things like queue times. We're looking at things like average talk time, things like that. Um, as well, we're, we're tracking trends. Um, we have, uh, we're able to track trends of the calls. Like if there's a shipping issue or something like that, um, we actually have a platform you can log into, check it out and say, Hey, okay, there's a, seems to be an awful lot of calls of delayed shipments here. You know, you can open it up explore what happened on the call, what the reason, what the reason for the call was, what happened on the call and what the outcome was, you know, and just kind of click it over. Okay. This is a fulfillment issue, but ideally, you know, anything like that happens, um, you would, you know, probably hear from me or somebody else about that, <laughs> but it's all there for you, for you to see. Um, the other thing too, is just obviously your refund metrics. We want to make sure that your campaigns are profitable. Um, you know, how our agents are performing on an agent by agent basis. We do track all of our, agent KPIs, such as how many calls they've taken from you, how long they're spending on the phone, um, you know, what are this, what's their cancellation slash refund rates like, um, what their sales levels are like. Um, and we've got that all kind of dialed down to the agent level, which is definitely something, uh, you know, good for a call center to have. Um, 
yeah, and uh, yeah, I would say that's probably you know the generic uh, group of it. But each campaign is different, right? Um, certain yeah. certain advertisers might want to track and see certain different things. Um, another obviously good one is just to see you know how many calls are actually getting through to your call center a day versus abandons, right? So you want to yeah. make sure that uh, you're not getting those abandons because those usually will turn into you know either a, a chargeback or, or something along those lines. So just like a service, so essentially like a service level, like how. How often are people getting like responses within a very short period of time getting a rep? Yeah, well, if they're calling in, are they getting through? They're not waiting yeah. five minutes on the line. You know, yeah. we want to keep that in kind of the, you know, 40 second or lower kind of range. Mm, gotcha. Um, okay. You know, you will get people that just wait for 10 seconds and hang up and, and there's nothing you can do about them. But, you know, those ones that you can do something about, you want to make sure they're getting answered, obviously, just to avoid any further, um, you know, disputes or anything like that or them just calling their credit card company or what have you. And, gotcha. Yeah. So I want to throw a quick theoretical situation at you and then you could spit yeah. out hopefully off the top <laughs> of your head, perfect numbers that I'll hold you totally accountable to. Now, so you have a, um, sure. now just, I think one thing it's a, it makes sense. I could see those KPIs, but I'm definitely a person that loves to have like the, the concrete number to visualize. So, um, I want you to envision that um, Thomas and I happen to be um, owning a supplement company. We're selling supplements. It's called a beard supplements. Um, they put beard <laughs> all over your face. Wolfman uh, <laughs> supplements, right? Yeah. Uh, so anyway, we're a supplement company. We have a customer service team right now. We're not sure if it's good or bad. We don't really know, but we're selling, you know, standard th um, one, three, six. We're kind of a standard direct response supplement seller. Um, we are in the eight, low eight figure range on an annual basis. And we currently are working with another outside, um, call center agency. But mm -hmm. again, we, we don't really know if they're doing what they're supposed to. We just know that we're paying them. Um, and that's about as far as we've gotten. So if I came to you and I just asked like, Hey Mitch, like what the hell am I doing? Like, is this good or bad? Like, can you tell me what are the numbers I should be looking at that say that it's good? And what would they be specifically? Yeah, well, that that would kind of be the first like problem there is if you just don't know if it's doing good or bad for you. You know, <laughs> we uh, you I know, I didn't say I was a good entrepreneur. I just fell into this beard. Yeah, success, but yeah, hey, and I've I've been well, there too. That's uncommon, right? Like, yeah, we do. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I didn't know yeah. my first call center was bad until I started digging into things. You know what I mean? And I. I and that's kind of what set me on this path is just, there was just no transparency in anything. And it was just like, mm, okay. you know, so that's a sign. The fact that they're not telling you. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I mean, you definitely want to make sure that, uh, I guess I would look at, um, you know, obviously things like queue times, answer rates, abandon rates, things like that, just to give you a baseline of like, Hey, okay. How many, my calls are coming in. Are they being answered? They're being answered. Okay, great. Now what's happening with those calls, you know, Maybe what start would be an acceptable threshold for that. So if they're if I like because abandons have to be inevitable at some point for somebody oh, has to like yeah. maybe 10 I, seconds is enough. Maybe a dog did something really cool when they're about to call and they hung up, <laughs> you know, like totally. Yeah. And that's that's just it. I mean, that there are some of them that you just can't avoid. They they hear the greeting they're like ah, they hang up, baby screaming, whatever it might be. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, you'd probably want to look at the ones that have been in the queue for you know, 20, 30 seconds and just kind of see the ones over that. Are they being answered or are they still abandoning? Um, I would say, yeah, you know, that would be a good kind of starting point. Um, if you're seeing a bunch over that 20, 30 second mark being abandoned, then you definitely know there's probably a staffing issue. 
too long of queue times, um, you know, which obviously you want to look at your queue times as well. So in a perfect world, say those things are, are great. Your, your queue times are great. Your abandons are, are, are low. Say, you know, you're a bit over um, a 92% answer rate or something, right? Like that's what I would say to answer your question is probably about, you know, that 90, anything 90% plus would probably be acceptable. Um, you know, you're going to have 10% of people that, yeah, they just, their phone died or whatever, right? Um, but then from those people, what I would do is probably go into the recordings and, and just maybe if you wanted to audit the recordings and see what's happening on these calls, things like that. Um, yeah, and then you can kind of get a good idea of, of what's happening, um, you know, on your calls, essentially. And then you can see from there, are they, you know, are they just... Um, pushing a refund button, like you could, you could get a, a, you know, a chimpanzee to do that essentially. Right. Are they building value? Are they supporting the vision of your business? Are they, um, you know, basically, you know, doing what you would do on the phone for your customers in a sense. Right. Gotcha. Well, at the same time, trying to protect that, uh, that bottom line, because yeah, things aren't uh, cheap these days. So you don't want to be giving away money, but you want to definitely be, you know, kind of, being able to save those sales while the customer gets off the phone and is happy with what happened on the call, essentially, mm-hmm. is the way I would, I would look at gotcha. it. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So essentially, when you're looking at it, it's like, one, your service levels or answer rate needs to be better than Thomas's math scores back in high school. So. <laughs> yeah, that's not that hard, though. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're in Thomas range for your math scores on a customer, woof, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, the other side is go listen and see. Now, if you can't get access to those calls, that's probably a pretty bad sign uh, for the calls, the customer support. Yeah, for with. sure. And recordings can be a bit of a pain too. I mean, nobody wants to sit there and go through 100 recordings. It takes a lot of time. Each call is what, five, you know, four to seven minutes or whatever. It's, it's a lot of time to listen to those calls. And there's a lot of like mundane stuff on the calls, like verifying the customer and all that stuff. So. You know, that would be actually another thing that uh, I would say is that you probably want some a call center that, you know, has the metrics and the ability to look into this stuff um, without having to listen to 100 recordings. But it's always good to, you know, pop a few on. Um, you know, that is something we do have, too. It, was, it would probably be a whole other episode to give you a walkthrough of the reporting and some of the features that... Um, you know, ourselves and one of our partners have developed, it's, it's pretty, pretty interesting stuff. Um, but it, yeah, it pretty much allows you to just kind of go in, see the call, you know, yeah. What was the reason for the call? What happened on the call? What the outcome of the call was? And then there's a little recording button there. You can play it if, if you so feel like it, but you actually have like the gist of, you know, the trend of the call, so to speak. Nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely, you, you, you know, you'd, you'd probably want to check out check out the recordings, just see how the calls are being handled, things like that. Gotcha. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, okay. Because I mean, at the end of the day, these people are representing your product and your business, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, and... Uh, no, it's huge, right? Yeah. And we know that, like, eventually customer support does become the voice of the company, whether you want them to or not. Like yeah. they might be the only voice that that customer ever, ever hears from your company. So totally. they do become the voice of your company. So it, it makes sense to, to give it a listen and tell. Now, um, I know we, like I said, we could probably spend a lot more time breaking it down. And like, I'm now going through my call center days and thinking specific questions. I'm like, what kind of phones <laughs> do you have? Like, do you guys use edit pads? And anyway, so we won't go into all that stuff and bore the hell out of people because they want to find customer service that works, but know that they don't have to do it because 
they probably don't love it, right? It's it's yeah. uh it's a calling for some and a curse for it, others, um, which is why thing. getting the right one makes a lot of sense. So what totally. do you say there, Mitch? Totally. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a whole other business within a business. I mean, yeah. you need operations guys, supervisors, managers, you know, TLs, all yeah. that kind of stuff. So, you know, <clears throat> and and what I say to a lot of my clients is like. You know, we're here to be your partner in this. Um, you know, we're here on the front lines of your business. We're in communication with you um, all the time. And our job is to, you know, not only find the problems, but come up with solutions as well. And that's definitely a big thing you, you want to see from the call center side. It's just like not only bringing you problems, but also coming up with the solutions. And that's, uh, you know, a key piece to the puzzle. Um, awesome. And, you know, I and, and what I always say to them is like, you know, we want you to focus on what you're good at and that's you know designing funnels getting sales finding affiliates all that kind of stuff well we'll focus on what we're good at and that's you know taking your calls retaining your customers and providing extra you know sales for your business and that's really in a nutshell what it should all be about because you know if you're out there managing a call center managing your call center staff trying to get affiliates like there's a lot of moving pieces to this business it's like you're you know at the end of the day sometimes it's like your head's been in a vice you know what i mean like you, <laughs> you know i think anyone could, could could relate to that right that's been in the space for long enough so um yeah and that's really the name of the game for us that's where we we're coming from um as a call center essentially yeah that's great that's great man yeah i could tell you yes call centers could feel like a head and vice. They also can be a center for some was, of the weirdest stories. And yeah. um, at cocktail parties, I get to flex plenty of them out there. So um, I think <laughs> even recently there was a team builder. I alluded to them and it was definitely a, a gasp in the room. So, um, <laughs> well, well, with, I think one of the things just to circle back, you mentioned before, I think like so much of this is so dependent on the offer and the individual in terms of, okay, here's what metrics you should be looking at. Here's what's telling you it's good, it's bad. Here's the areas of weakness, so on and so forth. It's, it's oh, complex. Right. Customer service mm -hmm. is not as simple as just picking up a phone and saying hello. It's, it's a lot more like you'd mentioned, especially when you bring in the phone. So um, you know, I think for anyone out there that's listening right now, if you don't have some form of customer support you, you know, beyond just email, you're definitely missing out. And you're really putting yourself in a situation where you're just not making as much money as you possibly could. And it sounds like from you saying, Mitch, regardless of what level you're at, you really want to start doing it. If you're at 10 sales a day, pretty consistently, you should have some amount of phone sales. Not a voicemail that drives people to email, but yeah. actual customer like on the phone reps and support. I think that's really, really amazing and powerful. Yeah. That being said, if you're not sure if you have it, and you're not sure if it's working or you want to know that it is, you think it is, but you're not sure, uh, go into the show notes, go to the link that Mitch put in there. And for nothing except for your time, you could at least have the peace of mind at the end of the day that you made the right decision for something that you might not be sure about. Um, and if there's opportunities, people will let you know where those opportunities are and you have an opportunity to go and get them fixed. And I said opportunity too many times, but that's because this is such a good opportunity. It can't be said just <laughs> yeah, once. Yeah. We might get five, four, maybe a couple other opportunities we just throw in there. But um, no, I, I think that's really, really huge. And, and talking through this, guys, like knowing that you have a partner. And I really love one of the things you said, too, is. We want you to do what you do best. And one of the reasons that I like talking and working with you, Mitch, and you work with uh, you know several of our, our big clients as well, we believe in the exact same thing. Our business is predicated on getting out of the way of amazing marketers, amazing entrepreneurs that know what they need to do. And they just need to get things out of the way so they could do just that. And that's what we build our business around. It's what you built your business around. Um, and I think, you know, if you're taking advantage of ClickBank, you should be taking advantage of at least at the bare minimum what Mitch is offering and that free consult, consult with LogiCall. Sure. So, uh, but no, no, really appreciate the time. Thomas, any other questions or anything you want to um, ask Mitch while we have him? 
I, yeah, I don't want to drag this on too much longer for your Mitch, but I was curious with like, what's like the biggest forehead to keyboard palm to forehead, whatever you want to do it, face palm, whatever <laughs> it is that you see clients doing in good faith that you wish they would stop doing. That's a great. Oh, that's a really good question. <laughs> there's there's a there's a few things, and it again, you get you have some offers. It really depends on the advertiser and the offer, but I mean, <clears throat> I guess having the the customer understand what it is they just purchased and how much they're paying is definitely a good thing. Um, you know, we have come across some advertisers and not on ClickBank or anything like that, where it's just the, you know, the customer doesn't really understand what it is they just purchased. They're a little confused with the pricing and what have you. Um, it just leads to bad sentiment. Um, you know, we can handle those calls. We're more than equipped to deal with it. But, you know, it's not from a business point of view, it's just not the smartest move. I think, uh, you know, you guys don't really have much to worry about there. I know um, anybody that uh, runs with you guys is, is pretty good with that stuff. So that's good. Yeah, it's one of the things are compliance. Yeah, I've seen the flip right? side, and it's mm -hmm. I've seen the flip side, and it, it can it can get a little messy. It can get a little, mm, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, that's no fun. So don't don't lie. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, just, just try uh, not to. You know, try not to. Yeah, good believe advice. in your product and and uh, yeah, go about it the right way, and you know, good things will happen. Again, we agree a lot with that. So yeah. um, of, of the same mind. So that's awesome. Well, again, guys, I really appreciate your time, Mitch. And I, yeah, I really sure. encourage anybody, if you, you're, you're using customer support right now, get the free audit because, again, well, we know there's a lot of people who do a great job. There's a lot of people that, you know, even if they're trying to do a good job, there might be gaps, right? There, so um, there, you're never in a bad spot in your business if you're filling in the gaps to make sure that you have the the tight ship that is totally. uh, making all the money that it can't. So and you're going to be a great guy to help them out with that. So um, well, with that, we uh, hope you enjoy the rest of time in Vancouver. By the way, I should be there next week. So um, nice. we'll have to try and uh, hit, meet up uh, if I have some time in one of the evenings. Um, but until then, what do we tell the people, Thomas? Happy scaling. Happy scaling. Great. And yeah. rate, review, subscribe. Also, um, I forgot to mention before we completely, uh, we do have a new inbox. So if you want to email us because you say, Kyle, shut up, or you want feedback, or you want to say nice things, or whatever you want to say to us, it's affiliated. So affiliate with a D um, at clickbank.com. Please send us what else we hear. You're burning questions, you're burning critiques, whatever they might be. Just get them out, put them in the inbox, and we will read them. Um, and yes, we are excited to hear what you have to say because we do dictate our show based on that. So again, thank you for the time. Um, Thomas gave us our, our lit up happy scaling. And until next time, have a good one. <laughs>